you are listening to Comes a Time with O'Teal Burbridge and Mike Fenoya. If you're digging the podcast, do these guys a favor and review and subscribe. It means a lot. Be sure to follow the pod on social media, YouTube, and if you're joining for bonus episodes and exclusive content, go to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get on the bus. And now, here's Mike and O'Teal. What's up, good people? Welcome back to Comes a Time. Uh, this is another solo episode I'm doing because at the recording of this, Mike was still doing all kinds of promo and stuff for his special, Don't Let Me Down. If you haven't seen it, go check it out everywhere that you can find all things Mike Fenoya on YouTube. Instagram. Uh, I'm not sure if he does Facebook, but go look there. Um, 800 pound gorilla. They put it out. Go check their site also. Um, it's called Don't Let Me Down. Mike Fanoy is killing it. I've seen it a couple times. It's really, really funny. Super great. Um, but that's why I'm doing this one solo. There's a few of these coming out. Um, this one is with my old buddy, Dean Budnick. Uh, we go way, way, way back in this jam band scene, which he really coined the term for it. He gives someone else the credit for it, actually coming up with the term, but he's certainly the one that has popularized it, popularized it in the, main, in the mainstream as far as we've penetrated. Uh, just pretty far now. <laughs> um, Dean Budnick is an American writer, filmmaker, college professor, podcast creator, and radio host who focuses on music, film, and popular culture. He is the editor-in-chief of Relics Magazine. That's probably where a lot of you guys know him, but don't know him. Um, he wrote his first book as a grad student about fish called The Fishing Manual, and a book about our scene called Jam Bands. He also started jambands.com way back then. And um, he started a podcast uh, about music whose first season was centered on fish. He's written a few books, one with my old buddy John Popper, which I probably shouldn't say the title of <laughs> until my kids get older. Um, but it's autobiographical. Wrote a really interesting book uh, with Josh Barron called Ticket Masters. Um, and it's about the whole how the whole scene of, of how that grew up and the uh, craziness around it. <laughs> he wrote that with Josh Barron, my my buddy that uh, lives down here. We bike sometimes. Um, many of you have had your frustrations with Ticketmasters. Might make you feel better to know Charles Dickens was pissed off about scalpers back in the 1800s. So, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's been going on a long time. Did a really interesting uh, documentary called Wetlands Preserve, the story of an activist rock club. That was a club in New York that really was kind of like the epicenter uh in new york city of this 
whole scene. Um, it's crazy to see myself in it and all my friends being very young. I tell you what, the time flies really quickly, but that place was different than any club uh, I'd ever played in my life. Uh, it was singular, kind of like New Orleans. Um, and one of my favorite books he did was with the legendary promoter, Peter Shapiro, who's the one that took over that club. And at that point is where me and my buddies entered the story. Um, but he wrote this uh, autobiographical book with Peter Shapiro called The Music Never Stops, which was really a great read and just came out on paper book, which is why we had Dean on the podcast uh, to talk about that and, and take a trip down memory lane. Uh, it's amazing how <laughs> many times we have intersected or how far back that goes. It goes a long way back. Time travels fast. Um, this is one of my favorite episodes. Uh, Dean is such a sweetheart, such a super smart guy. We have so many memories together and he has a better memory about it than me. A lot of times it's nice hearing how, uh, how it looked from his vantage point. And I'm really grateful that him uh, for documenting all this, all these many years. Uh, so yeah, check it out. You, you guys, um, new people go to all our uh, places where you find podcasts. Uh, and we're on YouTube. We're on most podcast platforms. We have some extra content that we put out on patreon.com forward slash comes with time pod. Uh, you can find us on everywhere. Please like, share, subscribe, rate, review, all the things of you can think of to do. It really helps us out. Um, thank you to Eric Lee Marenko, our uh, tech that does so much work that you don't, you guys don't see, but that you do see uh, on the Patreon and editing all these videos and all the cool stuff that happens, even animated films. Um, so you guys enjoy. Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. One of the first times I remember meeting you was the, uh, I guess the first time we did that interview when I first joined the Allman Brothers band, and that was uh, '97. That's yeah, when that's I found out you you were the one that actually told me about jam bands. You were like, "What does it feel like to be one of the pioneers of jam bands?" And I was like, "I'm not sure what that is." <laughs> Yeah, I was looking at that interview actually last night. It, it, it's fun and fascinating, and I would ask so many of the same questions today because I do think really? they're they're applicable. But you have such a unique perspective on everything. I remember that. So that was the year, right? You actually your debut with the ABB was in June at Great Woods, Great and that Woods, was back during the time, right, where you'd come around twice to Great Woods during the summer because it yeah. was such a great market for the brothers. That's right. Um, and then the second time we came, you came around in August. Um, we we did we did that interview in your in your hotel room, and it was a long, fun interview. Like we, we were all, I use only a fraction of it that, that was able to run, and it's still an eight page interview. But uh, it was a great it was a great hang, and I had seen you in action for so many years before then, and I was so excited that you had been tapped for that gig. I'd seen you at Wetlands with 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 ARU back yeah, in the day with the Colonel. Um, oh, there you go, sir. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, you know, I, I saw you at the the very very first Horde show in Portland. Yeah, in in '92, which was a really wow. momentous day for me and a lot of other people because sort of right pre-internet, you know, thereabouts. I was on like a Usenet news group. Some people were on the well, but you couldn't really communicate. And so to show up at Cumberland County Civic Center and all of a sudden realize, you know, this scene sort of like to, you know, reference yeah. the Grateful Dead, we are everywhere. There, there, there were yeah. so many people. And you'd see people with ARU shirts, you'd see people with panic shirts, you'd see people with fish shirts, you'd see yeah. people with traveler shirts. It was yeah. just yeah. amazing. It was just amazing. And, and I didn't, and you know, it makes me realize when you talk about like Usenet and stuff, it's like, well, that's why I didn't know what a jam band was because I wasn't on the internet. I didn't have a smartphone or, you know what I mean? I just was like, we were just out on the road pounding it with the Colonel, just knocking him down. Very early days of fish widespread blues traveler, all of us, you know? Yeah. And I mean, and just like to my mind, especially talking about the Colonel, just doing it right i have so many memories of just pretty insane stuff musically and otherwise coming off the coming off the stage you know it really kind of informed it informed my worldview in a lot of in a lot of respects i really do think I'm it's glad. where i am today you know because of in part of what of what you all were doing yeah he well i mean he was the catalyst for all of it my life was going to be 
not the normal life because I had chosen to be a bass player, but <clears throat> from in that lane, it was going to be a lot more normal. <laughs> and then I met Bruce and the whole thing just went over a cliff. Thank God, you know, but I, it's funny to hear you say something like that because I just like to highlight his impact on everybody and on this whole scene. It's really been something to, you know, it's one thing when I talk to like Popper, you know, or Trey and, or any of the guys in Fish, Paige, Mike, uh, Fishman, or if I talk to Dave Matthews about the Colonel, about, you know, talking any of the widespread guys about the Colonel, it's kind of a given, like all the influence that he's had on us. But then when you have Steve Parrish on the show and he starts talking about the Colonel, and then I realize, oh, he's talking about 1969. He's not talking about like recently, you know? That's when it starts to get deep, you know. It's like, yeah. well, so you know, I was just interviewed for the next Government Mules on the next Relics cover, and I was interviewing yeah, awesome. uh, Kevin Scott, the the bass oh, player, right? I love him. I got to get him on here. Right, and he, by the way, he's got a great perspective on everything. Obviously, he played played with the Colonel, played with the um, Colonel, came through that school. But but before <laughs> that, he had you know he was in a family band, and so he had an extended family of people who played out in Atlanta in the area. So he had relatives and friends of relatives who knew the colonel back from that era as well it's it's just amazing i never have, i've never no one will ever surprise me that the colonel knew somebody like if i go to tajikistan and you know and they'd be like this guy knows the colonel i'd be like not surprised he's that's he was such a a worldly interplanetary it Actually, that's why Tajikistan wouldn't surprise me because Jupiter or a planet in another galaxy, it wouldn't surprise me. So why would any place on Earth surprise me, you know? <laughs> well, that's like kind of, and this is a totally different thing, but I would say, I don't know how many times you saw this, but I saw this a dozen times, 18 times when he just guesses someone's birthday. And, and, yeah. and so, but I've long since taken for granted that that's just what he does. But to be there with people when it happens to them, for the first time and they're just minds are blown. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's the Colonel. I just think, Oh, it's the Colonel. That's what he does. But it's uh, funny because people uh, now I have the situation where I'm talking with people because he's passed and they'd be like, Oh yeah, he gets my birthday. Cause I'll ask him, like, did you ever get to meet him? Did you get to hang with him? They're like, yeah, he gets my birthday. It's just constant. But that was only one of the things that he did that was that freaky. <laughs> No, no. Yes. Yes. No, no. he really, he was just on another plane, another. He was an ET for sure. No question. And a spiritual, whatever. We get lost in semantics when we talk about it, but he's one of those cats, you know, (laughs) touched or whatever, whatever you want to say. Crazy. Sometimes they call him crazy and lock him up, you know? In another in another generation, or you know, a hundred years prior, you know, I don't. He's like Rasputin, kind of, in, in his, but a nice version, but a nice version, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Of, um, yeah, and I'm glad to always uh, like see hear this influence. Like he's not gone, he's not gone. You know, it's like Miles will never be gone. Coltrane will never be gone. Jerry will never be gone. You know, he's he's still here because he touched so many people. It's crazy. Well, you know, honestly, like Miles has a good 
example because you think of the people that came through that band, either of the quintets or what happened later. And in a similar way, look at all the people that the Colonel has touched and and, and where they are out, out in the world. I do think that's an apt analogy that doesn't quite maybe get its get its due but it's unquestionable yeah especially when you consider like the southern part of it you know like i I see where i I had this idea that i was going to play jazz rock instrumental fusion music that's what my heroes did and that's where i was going and then i met the colonel and i ended up playing with these two bands that are kind of the east and west coast versions of each other and I think it's even deeper. There's a other layer, not deeper in comparison to the Grateful Dead, but there's another layer with the Almond Brothers being the East Coast version, but from the South, you know, yes. because all I, this American music comes from the South. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's heavy. It's it, it is. And I think, listen, one of these days I want to dig in and write, write, Right. I mean, people have done lovely books around here and there. There's, there's a kernel, but I kind of want to dig in and maybe want you know, tell that story writ large. I just think it's still, some of it is still untold. Yeah. You know? There's a crazy, and I have to find it and send it to you. Please remind me afterwards. My buddy, David, David Brendel that lives in New York city, who's not a musician, but he knows so much more about music than I do. Cause he's just such a fanatic about it, you know? And, uh, he was the one that, turn me on to the Dickinson brothers and all this stuff. And, and um, he, or made me realize that Jim Dickinson was their dad. I met them through the Colonel, but he had this website that this guy put together that details all this stuff of the Colonel going back to his very first shows, like interactions, like when somebody pulled a gun on him in this one club and how he got out of it with his kind of Colonel Bruce, like all this stuff that I never seen before. I was like, oh, so w- I hope you do do that book because whoever this cat is, we need to put you in touch with him. That is, that is fair. By the way, I was just thinking of this. We were talking about uh, ARU on Horde, right? So this is the book that I did with Popper a few years ago. Oh, and yeah. I was just, you know, again, I was just thinking of all the ways, you know, you and, and all that. And he was just talking about, uh, he, uh, this is it. He's just, this is, this is Popper. Um, uh, with Horde, there would be the money side of things and the artistic side of things. And we tried to make them balance. One of the ways <laughs> we did that was to make sure we put Aquarium Rescue Unit on the bill. <laughs> that fell right to us. Horde was laden with mitzvahs and you got them done back to you. Uh, yes. And I think that's yeah. part, I think that's, I mean, yeah. they were great. I mean, so many people I, like I know that. first saw you on that, on that tour because they fought to have you on when, you know, the way these things go, once it goes to the promoters, ARU, oh, clearly the, the least known of those acts on the bill. They wanted us off of there so bad. They were like, why, why do these guys have to be on it? And eventually they got us off of it, but it was I will never forget when they told me that Fish and Blues Traveler and Widespread Panic all said, if they're not on it, we're not doing it. I mean, they literally stood down the man (laughs) for us, you know, and we were nobody. I mean, there was no reason for us to be there. But I tell you, when I went through Lakewood Amphitheater and, and a bunch of these other amphitheaters that I first played on with the Horde, 
Which is important because when I got to the Almond Brothers, I, it wasn't all new to me. There were some of those amphitheaters that I had played already and I was used to the difference and what it sounded like and all that. But when I went through there on this last final Dead & Company tour, man, the the meaning it had for me was so deep because I shot back to the very first time at Lakewood Amphitheater. I'd never played a place that big. In Atlanta, you know, that's where we were from. And it was overwhelming. I couldn't even process it. It was just too much for me to process. But now to look back on it, and it's also a little scary that and you count the years that passed. I, I do hear you there. For, for I mean, both of us, right? <laughs> you know, like, I would say, though, I mean, I'm just going to say this. I mean, you weren't, I'm not sure if you said the, the phrase was, we were nothing. You weren't nothing, man. You guys were elevated. And that's why you were the, you were just doing something. I understand you weren't, you we weren't were a commercial only, draw. We but, were only something to fish widespread panic and blue travel and nobody else. But you know what? That was enough. Thank you, God, because that was enough, you know, because it was a miracle. We were like, what are we doing here? You know, How, the same way, like with, uh, with uh, widespread panic and getting their record deal and then telling Johnny Sandlin, hey, man, you got to check out this crazy. <laughs> and he knows he knows the colonel from way back. Um, but they said, let's listen to it. And and Capricorn Records is probably the only label that would have taken a chance on a band so crazy and claimed it as part of their own Southern heritage and put it on a pedestal It's in what little way they could. And it was enough. It was enough for all of us to build careers off of, you know. But History has proven them right, man. Look at over what you, and look over. At what, yeah. you know, <laughs> you, you look what you've done, look what Jimmy's done, look what Sykes done. I mean, it was the right answer. There's just no doubt about that. <laughs> but I like what you say about the Colonel being a, a sort of Miles Davis. Like, obviously he's not because not as many people, not as many people know the Colonel as know Miles Davis, but he is in a way, and the, the, there's all these kind of characters like Bruce that I have found in different parts of the country. And I look, I search out the Bruce's, the anomalies, the guys that had a lot of influence. There's a comedic guy. Oh, what's his name? It's, it's, it's escaping me right now, but I just watched a documentary on him, but all the comedians know who this guy is. And he's like, had this thing. It was like, is it poetry? Is it performance art? Is it just complete Dada? What, you know, what are we, but he influenced so many comics and Bruce, I think is definitely, you know, especially for our scene, you know? I think that's important. I think you need to have like musicians, musicians, artists, artists, writers, writers who inspire, you know, other, other people working in that field and who can appreciate what they're doing and take something from it and, and try to elevate that within their own, you know, framework from their perspective. And yeah. maybe that initial figure doesn't quite get his due, or her do, but they're the ones that really set yeah. everything in motion. Well, in Bruce's case, it's interesting because he totally could have gotten his due, but he he would destroy it if it was even on the brink of happening. <laughs> he did it with us. You know, it's like he would deconstruct it because he didn't want the fame side of it. I mean, look what it did for Jerry, right? So he knew he had seen it happen. To so many people, he was like, no, 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 no. I just want to be the catalyst. He wants to be the guy stirring the pot, you know? 
which yeah, I love. Well, if you think about it, right, that happened That happened right after that with Code Talkers, too. Who, that's when I finally realized that's what was going on. Because he was, they were right right on the brink and actually doing really well. And then all of a sudden, he's like, okay, you know. He deconstructed it. He's, he's done it since the 60s. I mean, Music to Eat is really just a masterpiece. A master. It's the best thing he's ever done. And it's still just a marvel. It's like if what it's like if Sun Ra and these white guy, hippie guys from Georgia who were born in like the 40s <laughs> drank the same thing, <laughs> which they did because they drank Sun Ra. What am I saying? He Sun Ra was the drink. <laughs> so you and to hear it like it's the architecture of it, it's uh, uh the compositions and the, the clash of form and and chaos just everything it's just a masterpiece and he did that when he in 1969 when he was a kid and all this whole band so he he knew then and he deconstructed that you know a funny story about you might you probably know this from watching the documentary on him but skinner got signed for nine thousand dollars at that in that same time period Phil Walden sold that to Clive Davis, that double album for 300 grand. <laughs> the guy that signed the Colonel lost his job over it. And he tells the story in the documentary and starts crying because it was a really good gig. <laughs> and Clive Davis said, that is not coming out. The whole story is just like too much to be true. It's just too much. <laughs> You know, uh, by the way, moving on a little bit, I doubt you recall this, right? Just thinking you're talking about jam bands and you're thinking about like, uh, you know, our, our paths entwining. So Halloween 1998, this is like a Gamelon show, right? Andrew Stahl that Andrew took place Stahl, yeah. uh, at uh, the Somerville Theater. Here's here's the thing. Somerville. Uh, reading the bill. Uh, Percy Hill, CD release. O'Teal and the Peacemakers with Addison Groove Project, plus a Halloween treat, Dean Budnick's new book called Jam Bands. And so if you look at the original <laughs> thing, you can see the, my, my original Jam Bands book. That was the, the, that was the release show. And there's a little, you know, awesome. in, the, in the corner there, and you played it, you know. Did I meet you? Did I that? What year was that? 98, 98. We'd already okay, met. So we had met then. Yeah, it was after. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, I love the Somerville Theater. Yeah, that's, that's a great place, man. <laughs> so, I don't know, think about, I mean, just, just think about that. Or um, remember, here's another one that occurred to me. So when Butch Trucks was oh, putting yeah. together uh, his label, right, Flying Frog, yeah. uh, you came out for the, and, and I did a jambands.com tour, summer yeah. of 99, you came out right. for the first few shows. And uh, it was pretty, it was pretty well. And just for me, the pleasure of the whole thing was sitting down having a few meals with yourself and Butch because, you know, oh. Butch has a glass of wine, has a fine, <laughs> you know, and he's good to go. And it's just so, so great. But aside from that, the first show we played was at the TLA, uh, Theater of Living Arts oh, in, yeah. in Philadelphia. Yeah. And 
Love the that slip place. was on the bill. Oh, and the they're slip, great. They're so are they not? good. One, one oh. of my favorites. Uh, and they showed up late. And the the uh, production manager at the at the venue refused to let them go on. Uh, refused to even let them sound check. He's oh, like, there's man. no way. He That's said, tough. you know, Paul Simon was here a couple of weeks ago. He got here on time. And they got the slip. They're good. You know, they got lost. Wait, 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 it's Philadelphia. They got, they got lost. <laughs> and on. so I saw something that was just so rock and roll. Butch, who wanted to sign them to Flying Frog, and he did uh, a number of months later. He's like, okay, that's it. Give me the phone. Do you have a phone? Do you have a phone, Dean? And he called, or Dr. Budnick, that's what he would call me. you have a phone, Dr. Budnick? Um, <laughs> and so uh, he called up Larry Maggot, you know, the, who basically ran all of uh, all of that at that at that time. I think it was not Live Nation yet. I think it was like Clear. I think it was Clear Channel. Either Clear Channel SFX, what was SFX. I think it was at the end of SFX. <laughs> it was right at the end of SFX, right? <laughs> so he calls Larry Maggot at home. And then Larry Maggot then asks to talk to the production manager. Oh, boy. And so the production manager slinks off, comes back, and says to Butch, you guys can do whatever you want. I mean, he's clearly. <laughs> and then the punchline for me of the story, and I don't know if you can see, if you remember this, is you and Butch came out with the slip when the slip opened. Oh, I mean, they were only the opener. They were on the bill. But it's please. just a great moment. That's uh, me and Mark together. Dude, please yeah. scan that and send it to me. Please. Oh, wow. Wow. You're, you're killing me, dude. Cause you, you, you forget about how much you forget. Wow. <laughs> it was amazing. Aside from the fact that musically it was pretty awesome. Just, just the idea of watching Butch do his thing. Cause you know, you, you get his dander up and he was good to go, you know, like, oh. that was it. Like somebody who's like 20 minutes late, they don't get it. They're not allowed there. You're, you're kicking them off the bill. Which is kind of like my bill, by the way, because that was our that was our tour. I put that bill together, and just to watch the fire in Butch's eyes, and then have him call Larry Maggot at home was just uh, it, only, it didn't take much to get Butch fired up, especially before he quit drinking. Uh, my favorite was to be in a restaurant with him, and what then he would get going about Republicans, you know, not caring at all who was around, basically like. He can almost close the whole restaurant. You know? But the thing about Butch was his intention was always 100% right. He would just drop a grenade rather. And I, I can relate to that because I'm more of a hothead. And I, I'm not learning. I'm learning late lessons about diplomacy, which really for me is just, just shut up. <laughs> but Butch doesn't have that. <laughs> he didn't have that. It's no shutting up. But at least his intention was always a hundred percent right. You know, you just had to be ready for the grenade. <laughs> and and he was listen. He was super pure. Like he deeply felt that in the moment. He just was not posturing. Oh. You know, you got him going. I no, respect I, that. And I, you know, I had that done for me as well. I remember we were uh, we had this little instrumental fusion band in Washington D.C. when we were teenagers. And the Dixie Dregs came to town and played, and we somehow got a gig opening for them. We could hardly even get a gig in D.C. Like, I mean, a gig. We would just have to play in our basements, you know. And back then, the sound man was just like, I guess basically the, we were on time or everything, but he'd, 
maybe their sound check went long or something or whatever. He he decided there wasn't enough time for us to have a sound check. And dude, Steve Morse came with the grenade. He was like, absolutely not. These guys are really good musicians and they're going to get a sound. And he just stuck up for it and made it, forced it. And I never forgot that, man. And I got to play with him much, much later, ironically with the Colonel, which was not how I thought I was going to play with Steve Morse. <laughs> play the psycho bluegrass, you know, that sounds like it's on acid, but actually isn't. Uh, yeah, too much. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, people out there doing just musicians, let's say, just stick with that, just acting in a righteous way, uh, you know, just yeah. do it, just do it. There's something to that. Like, I just, that always inspires me to see people, you know, and even if it's off, even if it's off stage, I always feel like it, that just reflects what's happening on stage. I think the way that I carry myself, and this is a, this is a kernel thing. You know, take your work seriously. Don't take yourself seriously. Absolutely. And, but but that's also I learned that from the from the Grateful Dead indirectly, right? I learned yes. that from Fish indirectly. But I've heard mm-hmm. Colonel I've heard Colonel say that a, a number yes. of times, and I'm like, yeah, you know, that, that's the way I want to walk through life, and I think that's really really important. I, I do I too, man. I think it's of supreme importance because it makes you also remember to play. You know, we play music. And it's and we don't work it. It's not that we don't do work, but I love that it's called playing because it just reminds you that's the foundation this is built on play. It's okay to be serious. Like I'm going to have fun playing soccer. I can take it very seriously and want to get really good and excel at it. But if it's not fun anymore, then <laughs> nobody wants to work soccer. You want to play it. You know, another thing he said that always uh, that I've been thinking about a lot more now, um, he said, respect is an evil that corrodes the mind. And I've wrestled with that one because, you know, we all want to be respected. You know, being disrespected sucks. You know, if you <laughs> grew up black or Jewish <laughs> like we did, you know what that feels like, you know, and it's not a good feeling. But the, I, I always like now I'm starting to come around to his way of feeling about it, I think. And I think it has more to do with like the uh, what you said connected to what you said about take things seriously. Don't take yourself seriously, like take your work seriously or, or your play seriously, you know, but it, these are fine lines, you know, but it's just in my head. I'm thinking about as we look at conflicts that are going on right now, you know, it's like. Why, why do we have a conflict? A lot of conflicts that we have are because we're like, we feel like we're not being treated fairly or we feel like we're being disrespected. I mean, that's what gangs are. You're dissing me. You're disrespecting. And I, so I think that's what some of what Bruce might have been trying to get at, that we don't get too caught up in the need to have status, maybe. I don't know. You know, I'm, just, I'm asking really more than saying. <laughs> I, I, I think that's... I think that's fair. I think that turns on being egoless because then you don't yeah. feel so disrespected. Like, like it, that's irrelevant. It's like this. The, another way that I phrase it sometimes. Exactly. Who am I anyway? <laughs> like, right. Well, listen, of course, at the end of the day, you know, right, everyone should say that to my mind. But it's like, you know, there's a difference between being nice and being kind. Yes. And nice people are OK. They're polite. But. <laughs> You know, and that's that's and that's a way that they go through life. But are you kind? 
you know, that's that's yeah. what it comes. That's what I aspire to be. I'm not saying I hit it, but that's what yeah. that, that's what I aspire to. Obviously, Grateful Dead, right? Let's toss that one out there. But yeah. I think it's deeper than that. But 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 still, you know, the, the, on the other hand, it's no deeper than that. Like it's all right there it's, on the surface. Are you kind? Exactly. To me, it's like always binary. It's not complicated. Like we could say all these situations are complicated, but they're really binary, right? Like, are you kind? You know, like in the in the current situation, you know, we're all dealing with the mid Middle East stuff, and it's it's hard. I I live in Boca Raton, Florida. Ninety five percent of my friends here are Jewish. You know, it's like it's a it's just a it's been. And it's a drag for everybody, whether you're Jewish or not, whether you have Jewish friends or not. But when I look at it on the face of it, I'm like, okay, Teal, just take all of it and distill it down, make it binary. What is it? And then I listen to leaders on both sides. And what I do is I hear leaders on both sides making excuses why they have to kill innocent children, women, non-combatants, right? Just on a basic level, if I just distill it all down. And that what that does is it leaves all the innocents on both sides completely fucked. <laughs> you know? So that's why I just have to go like it. I have to approach it from just a kindness. Now, I know this is not the planet to try to <laughs> be kind, <laughs> you know, good luck. You're going to have to run like a rabbit all the time, you know, but that's, I, I'm okay with that. Like, I want to move to Costa Rica. I don't feel safe here after January 6th. I can't imagine living in the Middle East right now on either side right like so i i just am like gonna run like a rabbit because i got small kids too no do you know what I mean? I mean yeah listen that's <laughs> my no. solution for me <laughs> i think empathy like empathy is a superpower and i think there are not enough people who who are able to tap into that no know? definitely think- not and, and we see it in america it's everything is kind of like on steroids here you know and uh, not that it's not in other places, because everywhere has its, I guess, the same thing in some different form. But it's, we could see it happening here now. Like, it's really, the mask is coming off of it. And it's, uh, it's, it's frightening. I'm glad that I play music and that we're, like, involved in the art so that I know that the main thrust of my life is providing not that. I'm not selling fentanyl. I'm not selling arms. I'm not... You know, because some people are doing great through this conflict, right? Yeah, Wherever the arms dealers are, they're having yeah. parties right now. Yeah, it's like the Roaring Twenties, you know. Well, I mean, some of this—it is amazing how it goes right, come goes and comes back around. Just, but but on the but on the by the same token, it's also new, you know. And there there are new yes. ways to wage war. There are new ways to think about. There's new ways to anticipate it, and all of that. But yes, you know. As someone like, who I spent uh, many years in, in grad school studying history, right? American history. You know, you just see how that all comes around. By the way, I was thinking of our friend, of our late friend, Butch, right? Who had that place in France that yep. after 2016, he's like, okay, that's it. You I'm know gonna, what I'm did gonna, it for gonna, him? I'm sorry? Uh, you know what did it for him was Sarah Palin. I, th- I liken it to a car. I tell people nowadays, I go, you know, when you hear a car if make a sound, a bad sound, you know, not a normal sound, and then you just don't deal with it, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen, right? So and like for for Butch, Sarah Palin was that sound. For my wife, Trump getting elected was that sound. Now I've, I had, if you grew up 
black. You've been hearing that sound since you got here, but January 6th was that sound for me. And I told, and the school shootings are that sound. I told my wife, look, we gotta, we gotta go somewhere if we're, it's just like, just wait this out, you know, like it's the things boiling over and let's just, let's go somewhere till it, it, uh, let it, let it boil over and pass and not have our kids get caught in the crossfire. You know, hey, listen, if your kids just changes the whole calculus, but, but by the way, I don't have it. I guess I don't have it with me. I have my like little random Oteal ephemera around me scattered about, but that, that show, this show at the, uh, at the TLA, uh, there's a picture of you uh, and Butch holding my infant daughter, uh, who my wife oh, brought to that one show on the tour. And to see her now, like, how old is she now? In the, she's 24. She's out there in the world doing her thing. She's working <laughs> oh, like a document. She's working at a documentary film festival this this weekend oh, and making her way her. and doing her thing. And bless it's just her. amazing to think about. Do- documentaries is what I live off of, dude, because it's like what you said, studying history. I heard the greatest quote is that history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, tell me, let's talk about the, the Shapiro book coming out. It's coming out in paperback now. It just came out this, this week in paper. And, Excellent. um, you know, I, I don't know. Listen, you, I know that you've seen Peter in action for many, yes. many, many years. Um, yes. You know, I first met him at Wetlands, he, you know, shortly after he took over that gig. I remember Larry Block and then Larry Block wow. moving on. And by the way, if people want to check it out, right? I did make this documentary on Wetlands, Wetlands Preserved. You can it's find awesome. it on, on YouTube. Check it out for free. It's out there in the world. We we did it. We did okay. I was pretty happy with it. You know, we were on the uh, Sundance channel for a while after it after it came out and all that jazz. And O'Teal and a number of other fine folks uh, appear in it. But I remember when Peter came on. And thinking, look at that. And he, he wasn't that much younger than I was, but I still thought, look at that. Look at that kid. What's he going to do? I mean, we look like kids, dude. It's so funny to see those pictures. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. We, you, you don't realize how young you are. <laughs> kind of seeing, my, seeing myself like how the colonel saw me, you know. Well, but you know, we there's, were... a, there's that picture from the first year of the jammies. Which, by the way, you were at because yep. uh, because Bruce borrowed the tour bus and brought frog wings there, and then you went to Boston <laughs> to play at uh, at Great Woods the next day. So that that was like for me it was it was uh, frog wings with Susan uh, that that played. Wait a minute, Bruce Bruce commandeered your I'm tour sorry, bus. I apologize, Butch. Butch <laughs> or Butch did. I'm sorry, Butch commandeered a tour bus. Yeah, he did. Same thing. He's like, <laughs> he's like Dr. Dean, we got to be at this jammy show. You jammy show, yeah, but we got to be there. And so we're going to need that bus. (laughs) He took a tour bus. And uh, it's so funny. And you guys, but there's a picture. It's you, Peter and Derek backstage at that first jammies in 2000. And I look at the three of you and I'm like, oh, gosh, you know. Yeah, boy. Boy, you know, what's so funny. Like we didn't even have to. I think people it's a, a. characterize like having a vision differently than like what it was at the time like yes our vision was so true but we were just so immersed in it we couldn't even see anything else (laughs) (laughs) i guess maybe that is the that is the classic definition of it maybe (laughs) that's the majesty of it man i don't know for me as someone who's on the other side of the stage that's the majesty of it you know you had nothing to lose right 
I mean, we were you young. And we, yeah, we were young and we were like, I guess we're going for it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, man, you could, I don't know. You could you could feel that. That really I, I think that listen, there's a ton of great stuff that's happening today. And there's a ton of great stuff that's always happening out there. Always. But I think yeah. back on that time, and I just like I think back in a lot of times, right? I don't, I don't want to elevate any one moment. But having said that, to be there when you were just sort of finding your way, not really giving an F, and just yeah. doing what felt right to you in the moment was freaking amazing. It was freaking amazing. <laughs> the funny you know? thing, too, for us personally was that, you know, I had been through all these bands. And we were just trying to make a living. We were playing weddings, top 40 cover bands, jazz gigs, reggae gigs, Latin gigs, whatever, not making any money. There were a bunch of bands that we had, that I had played with that were put together to try to get a record deal. They wrote all this material. I learned it. We played it. They showcased. They didn't get signed. The band never played again. I was like, wow, you know, like all that work for nothing, you know, and I was so depressed. And finally, I met the colonel, thanks to Jeff's site, apartment Q258. And he said, well, we're not going to make any money, but <laughs> we're going to have the mo maximum amount of fun. And I was like, OK. And that was the first time I ever did anything that was since my teenage years playing in fusion bands, which we knew weren't going to we wouldn't be able to make a living doing that, um, that we just said, screw it. I had nothing to lose. I was already broke. And the gigs that I could have done to make money, I didn't even want to do them, you know? And we just did this madness. And then there were these bands that liked us, widespread and blues trap. <laughs> we're like, well, they like it, you know? <laughs> and the freaks in Atlanta, the witches and all the artists and the freak community in Atlanta and little five points, they liked it, but that was a real microcosm. And then those guys helped us reach uh, a bigger macrocosm of that same thing, you know, and we got a record deal. I was like, what? Bruce didn't even have a name. He changed the name once a week. <laughs> Remember that the band, the album Arkansas. So we'd be the Arkansas travelers one week. We'd be the Arkansas tourists the next week. We played every Monday night, the Arkansas State Birds, the Arkansas this and the Arkansas that. And then he gets in a room with Phil Walton. He says, Bruce, you got to quit changing the name. You got to settle on one. What's it going to be? And Bruce goes, how about Aquarium Rescue Unit? Just right off the top of his head. Just boom. <laughs> that was, all right, that's fine. They said it. And they writ, wrote it in stone in a contract. You know, just like, it's, I was like, how do we get a record deal doing this crazy shit? Are you kidding me? We try, we tried to confound everyone. That's what's the mashing the bluegrass with the Delta blues, with the jazz, with the funk, with the gospel, with the, it just, we were Jackson Pollocking all of it at the same time. Bruce would literally command us to try to drive everyone out of the room. <laughs> you know? We got a record deal. I was like, what? I was at one of those shows. It was in Cambridge, <laughs> I think, in 89. It was at this place called Night Stage. Where oh, dude, Night did, Stage, yes. Where, where he, he, it happened. It happened. I remember I magic that night. I remember magic. It was awesome. But but there was that moment where a bunch of people fled. And then Colonel addressed that. He's like, all right, we got rid of all the, you know, I can't remember yeah. the term that he used. That and, was his intention. He was yeah. like the people that came thinking it was going to be one thing. 
because they read or they heard on the radio or it's someone told me and he's like oh no he got that from sun Ra. <laughs> i saw this happen he took me to see sun Ra at the cotton club in atlanta and so sun Ra had been on the radio and all this stuff you know and it was like the thing to come see for people that didn't really know what they were getting into but were told it was the thing to come see so sun Ra wanted to get rid of all those people so he could do his thing with the full energy in the right place. So he comes out waving this big long chain with like a little silver disco ball or something shiny on the end of it. And it's going around and around and around. And it's like, it's, you're it kind of like a little hypnotizing. And then he looks at the crowd and he goes, y'all sure look good tonight. How long you been dead? And then he points at Marshall Allen right when he hits the word dead and Marshall sticks his horn up over the microphone and plays the most ungodly. He opens, flings open the gates of hell wide open. Cerebus comes rushing out the three headed dog body and you'd see whole tables getting up and leaving. Right. And it's, it's Colonel Bruce leans over to me and he goes, pardon my language. He goes, he's suit and tie motherfuckers getting out of here like it's a fire drill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I remember about night stage? I, nothing. I, but the feeling of ghosts being in the room. That's what I remember. The f- feeling of ghosts. <laughs> it was I don't know. It was it was pretty amazing. I mean, I mean, I, I think I had heard maybe that that's what sometimes would 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 happen, but I'd never really seen it. Like at Wetlands, like people knew who you were. Oh, they were and down they were for there it. to see yeah. you. The and it was farther out we went, they were it's, give me more. Yeah, right. But, but that was the first time. It's a couple, right? But that was the first time I had seen it. It was a little bit different. It wasn't. It was your people weren't. Wasn't all your people, and uh, and that happened, and that's that stuck with me, man. Like that's that led me to. I truly, I don't think I can, I don't think I can overstate this. Like that really, that set me on a certain path because I, I just, you know, I, I always aspire to to you know be inner directed, not other directed. To quote like yes. David Reisman, a the sociologist yes. from the nineteen fifties. Like I just yes. think you have to have something inside, and so to see it manifested musically. In that way, not that I hadn't already seen the Grateful Dead and I'd already seen, and they do it their own way, but to really see yes. it like that was so stark and so profound yes. in terms of what you were doing that I don't know, on my honor, like, so I, you know, jambands.com, which by the way, celebrated our 25th year. Oh, uh, congratulations. This year thing is, is a part of that. Like that's, that, that sort of yes. came out of that in its own yeah. way. There were people there like myself who I'd sort of met online, like who were still out there, Jesse Jarno. Uh, was yes. one of my first columnists, I love Benji Eisen, who's yep. who's out okay. there, sort of doing it, doing his thing. Andy and Jeff Waffle, who was still uh. doing his thing. You know, Andy Gadeel. <laughs> these were just people, and they all believed in, in just what they were hearing, what was coming off, what was the happening stage. that moment. I know it's like you don't even know what it is, right? But it's so strong, and you can. <laughs> talk as long as you want about trying to define what it is it doesn't matter it's like it's that thing you know and that's the thing that i needed for the allman brothers and dead and company like it's that's what it's about it's just that thing it could come in every kind of way it will come in every kind of way 
But if you're looking for that thing, you'll find it. And that will unite you with everyone on the planet. That's a deep thing, man. And allow you to truly be yourself. You know, the, what Bruce did there by like intentionally trying to get people out of the room and me seeing like that's what he wants and me participating in that leads me to my other favorite mantra nowadays. And I want to have a hat and a t-shirt made, which is I'm not for everybody. You know, I can't please everybody. So all I can do is do what, be what I am, turn that up to 10, give it as a gift. And whoever resonates with that, then we're good. And it's freed me from the have to have to do it any other way. I just literally have to take my, be brave enough to take my clothes off and be myself which is a scary thing for that's why this country's so hung up, man. We're so the bullying and all that. I mean, you know, we can't just be ourselves. It's something we need to heal us. Yeah. The one, I mean, one brief point relative to that. I do feel like I also have a younger, I have a young, my son is younger than my daughter and I see the interactions of people their age and younger. And I actually do have a pretty good feeling about what's going to, it's going to take a little while, but I legitimately, I, I'm optimistic about what am, that generation is going to be able to offer and where son, they come from and their yeah. perspectives and what and the empathy that they have and They're the kind. kindness that they offer. They're yes. kind, man. I my son is so kind. Kavi is too. They, they, this that generation. I agree with you. It's uh, I didn't want to have children because I'd given up on society. <laughs> And myself at that point, too. But the, as soon as he was born, I saw this hope. I remember Paige McConnell trying to tell me that when we were with Vita Blue. This is went before I had met my wife, and I was hopeless about myself, certainly hopeless about the world. You know, and he said, you know, my daughter gives me hope, just her existence. And I didn't fully understand that until I had Nigel. And now that he's growing and him and his friend, they're so kind. They're so empathetic. It's unbelievable. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that this society does not take that or beat it down or anything. You know, I want that to flourish. It's, it's got to. I just think they, I think they get that. And I think they're sort of undeterred in their, in their collective vision. I don't know. I do. I feel, I do feel, I feel good. Like, and I'm not right now. This is a difficult moment. I want no, to make that clear. I'm with you. But, I'm but, with you. But I think we're going to, I do think we're going to come out the other side. Hey, by the way, since you mentioned Vita Blue, I do want to point this out too. I believe, I'm fairly confident that you, sir, are the artist. Relics Magazine, by the way, is going to celebrate its 50th anniversary That's in uh, 2024. Awesome. You're the person I think has been on the cover the most times with different groups, right? Here you are with Me? Vita Blue. <laughs> yeah, you. Here you are. Here you are with the ABB. Um, and by the way, I was talking to Danny Clinch about this last week. This is the first time he actually shot the ABB is this cover. Yeah. Cause Kirk, I just had Kirk on the podcast. He usually did it. <laughs> yeah. So Danny, Danny had always wanted to do it. I think they finally oh, got a chance. I remember that session now too. Oh, you just gave me a good memory. I remember that. And then, in his right. Dad and company. So, I mean, you're on there with three different, you're on there with three different acts. And you know, one day we'll get you on there. You'll yet be on there with one more. No doubt. You know, I'm surprised I wasn't on there with Tedeschi Trucks Band. <laughs> what, what happened? What, what, you are and you aren't because it's just the two of them on the cover. 
Ah, but see, still. Otherwise, you would have been. And frankly, I was there. Oh, I'm no, in, right, absolutely. I'm on the inside, right? <laughs> Plus, by the way, yeah, there's this oh. one too. You're technically you're not in this image, but ARU is on the cover. This was a Horde '92 uh, celebration. But it's, so you're the record holder. You are the nexus in many respects. You're a lot of this so crap. It's funny because I know zero about rock and roll. You know, one of the funniest ironies of my life is that I learned rock and roll about rock and roll from the people that created it. You know, I would be on the bus with or hanging out with the Almond Brothers, you know, and they would say something about Eric, you know, and I'm maybe there's a couple of conversations going on at the same time. And it takes me a second uh, or a minute to realize they're talking about Eric Clapton or whoever you know like yes. and so it's funny to like learn all this history from the people that helped create it and were there you know there's a lot of people gone now obviously but all my friendships with yorma you know i teach at yorma's music camp at fur peace ranch i used to teach her a bunch and um then when i was i think maybe it was reading phil's book this before even dead and company where i was just trying to learn about the dead and you, and you come to realize Yorma was one of their heroes <laughs> you know? and it's like so i'm like having interactions with with yorma just because i think he's cool like i don't even know all his his you know i mean i know jefferson airplane okay but the, i know that like i know every other rock and roll i don't i didn't have their records i don't couldn't tell you the songs blah 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 but i just know they were a famous rock band but I just, me and Jorma just had a vibe together. And, you know, so to the older I get and the more I learn about the people that I've been working with and the whole rock and roll thing, the more my mind is blown. <laughs> it's like still very fresh. Every day I learn something else. That, or I'll be like, Rhea sent me, or I think Rhea posted a picture of Mickey Hart's daughter and we're friends now, you know, and she posted a picture of her on stage with the dead and it was jimmy herring was in the foreground and right next to him is bob dylan i was like oh shit i forgot jimmy played with bob dylan <laughs> it's just, i mean never, right and that happened because of bruce by the way going taking exactly, all that around exactly. so if you think that bruce is if you think to not take him seriously and all these people along the way like you know ask him and Greg used to be terrified of Bruce. It was so funny. Oh, I love. But he perceived correctly. Greg was right. He perceived the ET nature of Colonel Bruce Hampton. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know what's going on there, bro." <laughs> but you know, but me because I like weirdness and weird people. I, you know, uh, I like uh, the anomalous. You know, <laughs> so funny. Man, it's so it's so great to talk to you about all this. You you have it's funny how instrumental you have been in giving me perspective on my own life. It's really weird, man. So I have to thank you for that. <laughs> well, that's kind of you. So I I do I do I do appreciate I do appreciate that. I don't know. It's been fun to be again. We know we're in and out. We see each other here and there and this and that. But I just I just dig what you do and it's just so much fun to to watch you sort of continue on your path thinking back to wetlands or thinking back to like night stage night stage all of that right and, and the, or dig you know it. anything or I, you know i've seen your day it's just it's just been amazing and it's just obviously there's so much still yet to come i think of yorma right 
And yeah. I just interviewed him and yeah, he's still, man, he's still in there. He's still oh. doing his thing. Is he and, not the best storyteller of all time? God. Oh. He comes at it that same way, that same right way too, where he's like almost, he's almost like incidental. He's can be the butt of his own jokes. Like he, d- d- despite, you know, being such a gifted guitar player, both electric and acoustic, you know, that, yes. that, that he has that perspective. I think that informs what he does. I love hearing him just, you know, talk about, you know, Reverend Gary Davis. And, and yeah, that's right. It's just just amazing. Colonel Bruce is into big time. And, you know, I want to highlight what you said about being the butt of your own joke. That's this thing, this crucial thing that joins what you're talking about, you know, take what you do serious. Don't take yourself seriously. You have to be able to be the butt of your own joke. That's what Bruce always meant by how you have to have a higher butt level consciousness, like the mirrors of embarrassment. That has to be part of it for it to be really real for him. That's just his preference. Not saying that everybody has to do that, but if you're, I like that part, and that's probably where I related to Yorma also, you know, and the Grateful Dead. Without, you know, you, with you, got to be willing to fail and fall down and let everybody see it. <laughs> with yeah, listen again. That's what that's what I've seen you do. That's what I've seen the people who you know, I enjoy and inspire me do. And that's sort of the fun of the glory of the gig from, of, you know, what I do from my perspective is just to get it, you know, get a chance to be out there seeing all that happen, you know, and talking a little bit about it uh, real quick. I know we're up against it in terms of, no, Peter's man, book, I got, t- I got plenty of time, bro. Well, <laughs> that's right. I mean, you know, Peter's book, the thing that I've always loved about, you know, Peter and people yeah. see his name on things, but I don't think that, you know, I don't think they have a sense of just how much he puts into everything. Like if a show sold out, he doesn't care. He's still angling to add guests (laughs) to do all of this. It's all about what does he want to see out there in the audience? And what he wants to see is what you want to see, what I want to see. And so writing this book with him was really, really fun to uh, to take that time with him and just hear him riff on on, on a bunch of things that, 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 that he put together and how he approached it. And he does have a way of thinking about this that I think people don't understand. And in part, maybe, you know, he came at this uh, as a filmmaker, you know, when, when yes, Larry yeah. Block invited him to take over Wetlands, he was a, he was a, he was a filmmaker. I think that's, that, that's the path that he thought he was going to follow. Now he had made a documentary when he was at Northwestern uh, and miles to go that I'm sure people have seen. There's a great uh, footage that sometimes appears off and on, on socials where he miracles someone outside of, outside of big, you know, out, outside of show, hands them, hands them a ticket, some, you know, some vendor in shakedown. And hey, I, what, about that, I, I, what about that story of him having the footage of the outside and Justin having the footage of the inside for Grateful Dead 50 and they put it to, to talk about uh, higher power at work. What? What? Yeah. It's pretty, Dude. it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I, he, he talks about that, by the way, in the book, people who don't realize that. So, you know, Peter's doing right. Peter's doing dead 50 and he wants to do something during, uh, during set break, wants to do it with Justin. And as they're talking about it, that's the moment where they realize, oh, we were at the same, we were at the same shows. You were just shooting inside. I was just shooting outside. And yeah, I mean, his serendipity, whatever fate. Whatever. I I don't care about the semantics. Call it what you want. That's the stuff. That's the thing I'm chasing after. And that's what we're all doing. It's so beautiful, like to read that book and hear his story 
and and find out all these things about him that I didn't know. But also, I'm in that story all, the whole time, you know, it's just like, and I'm finding out all of what I didn't know, because I was just a crazy shot out of a cannon, 26 year old, you know, living in the moment. And wow, just the, a book is, yeah, thank I, I, you for that. I would say so, like the way the way we structured it, like, like our, my, our goal with every chapter was, uh, or, or, you know, as I was working with him to write it is every chapter. Um, you'd hear a little bit of his his sort of his wisdom, his philosophy. I'll call it wisdom. He wouldn't. His philosophy as to how he did something. We'd have some really funny story that was that was relevant. And you'd get an insight into the scene as well that people don't get to see. And I do think it really balances all three of those. So depending whatever you want to bring to it, you know, wherever you're coming from, I think you can really find something that that would work for you. It's very I'm very, very proud. It was super fun working with him on it, you know. Uh, it's one of my favorite things that I that I've done over the, the so course. So good, of... I love the the uh, the full integration of all of it. You know, like every promoter, the writers, that you know what you do, what Peter was doing, what we were doing, like it all, and the audience. I mean, you know, of course we can't because that's what we're all doing it for. Um, but I love that full. It, when you get old enough, and you and enough time passes and I agree it is wisdom because he made it this far. Back then it was a gamble. Right? And it was we took a gamble based on a philosophy. But now it's wisdom because that philosophy is proved to be correct. Right? Like we were all seeking this thing at this, this moment, this feeling. And without each other, it wouldn't have happened. Like with, you know, without Peter, there's no stage for us to play on. There's nothing for you to, without the audience to see the stage. There's nothing for you to write about. You know, like it's a, uh, we're really blessed, man. We're really blessed. To me, it all comes down. <laughs> the, the other thing, just to, so, I mean, it all comes down to intention. Like, yes. that's what, if I'm going to write about an artist, I want to write about an artist who has just intention, like pure intention, righteous intention, something that will that 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 matters and that's i i do think yeah. that's maybe the through line if you think about who we cover in in relic certainly what what interests yeah. or animates me is, is just is just that and there's a certain joy that i take in in getting to hear and getting to hear the artists share that and, and present that to the world a little yeah. bit here here and there but it's certainly that's what brings me out i want to see how that yeah. manifests itself by the way i'm thinking of peter uh he just had Last he just said Dylan at right at, at the cap. And I know for a fact, and I won't say the story, but I know that, you know, show sold out. He's doing just fine, whatever. And like day of, he's working some stuff. Like he's trying to make something happen. That's really, really cool. And it, you know, but it, it ended up being a little too complex and didn't go down. Like, dude is trying. That's the other thing. Like, I want to work with people who are crying, who are not satisfied, yes. who are not self-satisfied, who are always yes. out there looking for what next what's next and they're yeah. i just think that's super important as, as it well is because when we get away with it it's a miracle you know we gamble our entire lives on it i'm gambling my life my wife's life my kids lives you know like i'm not just now i'm taking care of my mom gambling my mom's life on all the you know everybody I'm now the patriarch of my family since my older brother and my dad died. You know, there's a lot of people counting on me. And uh, it's, we went, and when it, when you get away with it, when it all works, 
it's a miracle. And so, yeah, I want to see that same thing too, where someone is gambling that much on this pure intention and they're only trying to do something good, man. You know, I mean, you've only been trying to do something good with your, the thrust of your life's work the whole time. And all the people and Peter Shapiro and everybody, every crew member at the cap and every other club and venue, you know what I mean? It's uh, yeah. Well, that's like, again, from my perspective on what you do, and I'll bring it back. Uh, so I wrote this book, I wrote Popper's book, and we sort of sort of got lost because the publicist left basically the day it came out. It's a great, <laughs> great book. You know, Popper would I've just, uh, you know, we do it once a week. He'd burn one down and then riff, and then we put it together. And it was pretty, pretty amazing. But to going back to his idea of a mitzvah, that's sort of how yes. I feel when I'm, when I'm able to do. I'm fortunate to do that in getting to share, you know, tell people about, you know, about lovely view of heaven. Or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Or anything else that's out, like, I feel like that's, there's something to be said for being able to, to do that. We, there are things that I'm, that I'm passionate about. And I, I do think ideally everything, life is a balance, but I do, do think that and that's what animates me. And that's sort of yeah. how I, I view it in, in many, many respects. And we need you and appreciate you. I mean, what you wrote, you know, about my record and stuff, because I mean, you can imagine. <laughs> kind of fear and trembling that I might have, you know, doing these sacred songs and putting my spin fully on it. I was like, I'm not for everybody. You know, I had to just adopt that. Like, come on, Otil, you got to just do it how you would do it. And to hear, uh, hear, I know a lot of people are pulling for me and I know you are, but I also know you wouldn't lie to me. So <laughs> to hear your words, it really means a lot, you know, and your support and just for what you've always done. And, and like you say, you know, we're not done. We are now bringing up the next generations of musicians. And I, I mean, are you mentoring some young writers? I would imagine, you know, like that's happening in my life, you know. That's right. But, but just, just go back to you real quick. I mean, intention going back to your, you know, to your record. I mean, just in talking to you about it. I mean, I, I mean, there's intention and there's execution. Like one hopes that, that both are there. <laughs> I think, right. I, I have to say that. Right. But I think a lot of times they're entwined. One does inform yes. the other, but you have to have, you know, the, the skill set and the like. And to my mind, both are there for you, for you and that record. But it was fun. Just, you know, and I could hear your intention even before you and I spoke about it. Right. You, you can hear what's there and I won't tell the story, but you and I discussed, there was a moment when I was listening to this record, I just pulled aside. I was driving the first time I heard it. And I just wanted to, one of the songs, I just wanted to drink it all, drink wow. it all in because that was a moment for me. And you know, that's the other thing. That's why we want to have moments. That's why, moments. you know, we want to see what people, you know, hear what people such as yourself are, are doing. That's what brings us. That's what, that's what brings us back. You know, I, yeah, it makes me feel so good, man. Cause all you want, you're hoping that what I want when I listen to music, there's certain people, you know, and they're magic people and they can open up these portals. And when that portal's open, like all this bad stuff, just it's, it's not that it goes away. It's that you're reminded that this is still there too. And it's so strong and it has so much power to give hope and keep us going through the bad times you know? And so it's, it means everything to, for me to hear someone say, yeah, I had to pull my car over. Cause that means 
I opened that portal for them and they felt it the way I felt it. And they wanted to just sit there <laughs> and look through on the other side or maybe go step through it or whatever. So thank you so much for that. That means right. everything. And I think that here's so maybe just the one last, one last thing. Is then the, the, the beauty of all of this too is then you take that, me, as a listener, yes. as a, as a and, you, and you can, you have that, but you can apply that elsewhere yes. in life. Right. Yes. It's not just so it's not just solely self-indulgent, like I'm enjoying yes. this because it's, yes. it's profound and it's amazing. But hopefully, ideally, I'm doing something with that. You That's know? the mitzvah. That's the mitzvah. We must it, it must spread. You have to give it away, you know, and and a lot of it, it's, it's like a, it makes it our gambling our entire lives on this intention is our sacrifice that we make you know, and then we give it all away, you know, yeah, we're making a living, we're charging for, you got to charge whatever for the book, that's the practical side, but we know, look, man, if we're successful in what we're giving, it's worth way more than the price of a CD or a book, you know, this is, this is of wisdom and emotions and intentions and feelings and history that it will pass to my children you know, and your children and pass on, like you say, we give it away, even just horizontally at the moment of doing it to other people our age, you know? So I, yeah, it's, it's a great, uh, we're super lucky, aren't we? <laughs> yes. Well, that's why I like to end it. You know, I salute you, man. Like, I don't know, like that, that's it, you, you giving of yourself that way is ultimately what, you know, what what enables me and people like me out there to you know to have the experiences that we do to learn the lessons that we've learned and take that and apply it and make something of it you know but yes. for the fact that people are you or like yourself sir are gambling and taking those chances what could we be doing so I, I just want to <laughs> I want to applauding you for everything <laughs> that you've done Otil, honestly. Hey man, it's, thank it's you. Amazing. Like, we got to do so. Uh, my mom, <laughs> we get born here. I feel like we land just like aliens. We're landing here. It's like, well, we got to do something. Let's do something good. Let's do something fun. Let's play. Uh, and as long as uh, uh, there's so much about this thing that I was born into that I hate <laughs> you know? and that I'm powerless to change, you know, but if the fact that we have found a way to play and and still do what we would like somewhat on our terms the foundation of it is on our terms we have to be practical and live in this world but the foundation of it is on our terms and to get the chance to do that is a great great gift so uh yeah we got to do something let's do some good thank you for doing some good and uh thank you for helping me uh just selfishly <laughs> put my life into perspective. You know, I didn't get to play with all my heroes and stuff. And it's like, but hey, look what you did do. You know, look at all. And I, I can't, you know how hard it is to be objective. And through someone like you, I could be like, wow, okay. I could tell my kids I did something. You know, all right. I'm not Coltrane, but, you know, <laughs> I'm not Miles Davis. But <laughs> we always compare, right? So, but I feel like you helped me uh you helped me have that kind of objectivity. So thank you for uh, everything, man. Thank you for doing the podcast today, for sure. Super fun. Super fun. <laughs> Always good to see. I hope I see you soon somewhere. When's the last gig that I saw you at? 
You know, you came through, you just came through Rhode Island, but I wasn't, you just came through. I, I missed a chance when you came with through my band. and you, yeah, with, with your band. I, I, you might've seen me, but I couldn't see you because of the pandemic. No, I wasn't actually, made, I was not, I actually yes. was not around that. I had somewhere else in the world at that moment. In Did you make any of the dead and company shows? I saw, I saw a couple, I saw a couple there, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, so that, that is actually this summer would have been the last time I would have seen you. Uh, see <laughs> yeah, be, I just didn't get to see you in person then. Well, I'm glad because that summer, that was a good summer. <laughs> there was some sweet energy coming off coming off the stage. It felt it felt pretty good. So uh, I, I'm I look forward to to you know I know you're you're doing stuff in at the end of the year down in, you know, your neck of the woods. And uh, yes, I'm, I'm so shocked that Bob is going to set foot in the state of Florida. <laughs> I figured he would have been scared. He would burst into flames as soon as he crossed the state line, even if he was 30,000 feet in the air, <laughs> but he's coming and, you know, shout out to all my Florida deadheads because they're always, uh, and rightfully complaining. Uh, that we don't show them enough love. So yeah, Bob's coming down and I'm playing like kind of next door uh, afterwards uh, at the end of the year. So that's going to be fun. Then we got dead ahead in Mexico. So next time now that things are have calmed down, hopefully I will get to see you at one of the shows where we can actually hang a little bit. I'm just happy, man. Honestly, I'm just happy to watch you on the stage doing your thing. It's always a delight to talk to you without question. But I'm just here to see you do your thing. That's what that's what inspires me, man. <laughs> well, bless you for all your work. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And uh, let's do it. You know, like you got my number, man. If if, if anything's happening and you got a hot one that's something to talk about, text me. We'll have you on. We, we can, even if it's a short NPR segment, we the Budnick's Corner. And we'll get the latest and greatest. Julie knows and appreciate it. <laughs> right, bless you, brother. Thanks for coming on. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Comes a Time with Mike Fenoya and Oteil Burbridge. Be sure to follow the pod on social media, YouTube, and if you're jonesing for bonus episodes and exclusive content, go to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get on the bus. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 